welcome to Inside, where we explore the farms, gardens, and wild spaces of the lower Columbia Pacific region. I am one of your hosts, Teresa Retzloff. And I'm Jessica Schleif, here with Teresa and the lovely Dylan. Dylan, thanks for engineering this beautiful reading of those underwriters, and thank you to our underwriters for supporting Coast Community Radio. And thanks to all of you for supporting us during the pledge drive. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you. That was a really great drive, and we really appreciate you supporting us. Um, and hey, let's all support one another through this cold weather we're having. Yeah, tea. boy, it's, yeah. You cold? I am a little chilly. It's been a very chilly couple of days here. Unseasonably early cold weather um, has descended upon a lot of the western states of the United States. I mean, we don't have it as bad as Montana. It's They've true. got snow. Mm-hmm. Idaho looking pretty ugly. But still, but such for, a for quick the, oh, change. I know yeah, on Thursday I was uh, yeah hanging out with Teresa, and we were hanging out, getting yeah. in some squash, getting in some beans, and yeah. you were telling me about the cold weather to come, mm-hmm. and I poo-pooed it. Yeah, you did. I did. Yeah, you did. But you know what? <laughs> I have learned to not poo-poo those things. Yeah. I have learned to take it seriously. You have greater risks. Well, I do. I mean, and I think, and I would just ask everybody to, you know, in in, in this cold weather, I mean, it's it's cold out there and it's been frosty. Um, and, you know, maybe you've lost a few plants in your garden or maybe things are a little bit, you know, rough around the edges. But Or spare- maybe you think you've lost yeah. them and they're going to pop back. You might, but I would just really ask you to spare a thought for for our region's farmers who are dealing with some potential, you know, crop failures and challenges brought on by weather that's much colder than expected for the end of Oct- for end of September, early October. So mm-hmm. it's not that this has never happened before, but it's not within my living memory. I think that it's not been this cold since the late 40s at wow. this time of year. Is that is that true? I wow. thought that's what I heard um in Portland, that some of the lows in Portland um, had, you know, were new, new from like new records from yeah. like that hadn't been that cold since the. Late I 40s. know. I definitely was thinking about some of my tenders, some of the mm-hmm. semperbivums, some of those things that I, yeah, push the boundaries with, and then have to to yeah. bring into more sheltered sites during the winter. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is. Do I do this now? Yeah. And it's interesting because it's not like it's not fall. I mean, it is fall. And I, you know, sometimes we have very cold, rainy Octobers and sometimes they're warm and sunny. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes September and October can just feel like this long extended summer. And it's hard to know. I don't I mean, I don't feel like there's a specific pattern um, that I can notice. And certainly as the years have gone on, I feel like our weather is just getting so much more. Um, changeable yeah. that I can't tell what the patterns are. So it's not that we changeable. Haven't... That's a good word. I I want to say erratic. Well, <laughs> erratic. And I mean, we are in the midst of a climate emergency, and a lot of really crazy things are happening all over the world. And there's 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 things happening, you know, in the ocean temperatures, and you know, in the Arctic, and all kinds of things that you know eventually swirl around to affect our local weather weather yeah. patterns. Yeah. Um. So this was. You know, it was a bummer. It was definitely a bummer walking around my farm this morning and seeing all my plants covered in ice and kind of crumpled and looking really sad and just wondering, like, are you going to bounce back? Yeah. And sometimes they do. Sometimes Sometimes that turgor pressure just goes down um, Mm -hmm. and it's almost like a strategy to save themselves. And sometimes they'll pop back up. Or sometimes they'll liquefy. Yeah. And you just don't know until yeah. the sun comes out and thaws them. And it's, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's how plants respond to extreme heat as well. Exactly. They kind of collapse a little bit and crumple down on themselves. Shut down their stomas. Yeah. And 
you know, I, that makes sense. I mean, I think we curl into ourselves to, <laughs> to stay warm. So it made sense that that's what they were doing. So how, what are some of the things you're doing to strategize? Obviously, probably some uh, emergency harvesting. There was definitely some emergency harvesting. Well, I, I mean, things that I wish I could have pushed another couple of weeks, some of our winter squash um, and and some of the beans that we were growing for dried beans that mm-hmm. I would have liked to leave on the vine a little bit longer to maybe mature a little bit more. But they'd gone far enough and bringing them in and allowing them to dry or allowing them to just not be out in the cold wet um, or or potentially freezing weather um, helps all of those crops. Yeah. Um, I tried to harvest some last outdoor tomatoes. Yeah, same, same. Boy, I don't know the ones that are still out there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not and sure. so that's something to think about bringing in tomatoes, even mm-hmm. even green tomatoes. Sometimes we yep. can ripen on the vine. You can actually pull out the vine or cut off branches on mm-hmm. the vine and bring those into an yeah. area and hang them. If the plants, if the fruit has gone far enough, and sometimes you can't necessarily see that it started to change and started to ripen. But if enough of the the sort of sugars in it have started to change, it will continue to ripen. It's never going to taste the same as like a a tomato ripened in the sun. Yeah. But bringing that tomato in and setting it on your counter or or like many people do, pull the whole plant out of the ground and hang it in a garage and allow those tomatoes to continue to ripen. You'll still get some ripe tomatoes in a few weeks. And that's, you know, better than no ripe tomatoes. Or look up a lot of recipes for green tomato. Yeah. Yeah. Chutney, green tomato jam, fried green tomatoes. I know with the... um, the rain, some of the splitting tomatoes, mm-hmm. just doing a lot of processing yep. and make I'm, sauce, put yeah, it in the freezer. Exactly. And that's what I've been doing this year instead of because there was so much at one time, mm-hmm. instead of thinking about a complicated canning process, just doing some sauces, baking some of them off just with salt and herbs and doing a lot of little freezer packets. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are great things for like, you'll appreciate it come January, February. Yep. When you can root around your freezer and find some some tomatoes from this past summer and feel like, oh, I have to admit to actually rooting around last night and making pizza (laughs) sauce out of one of them. (laughs) So there you go. A little early, early celebration. So but I think that, you know, some of the some of those crops are things that were dying back anyway. And so like saying goodbye to them, it's like, well, maybe it's a few weeks early. That's sad. Um, but some of the crops that, you know, certainly I was expecting to go through through October, maybe even into November, some of the leafy greens, broccoli, cauliflower. I'm hopeful that they'll bounce back from this. Yeah. I, I think they're they're a much more sturdy plant than um, sometimes we give them credit for. So yeah. they can definitely hold, you know, withstand some frost and things like cabbages. If you did a fall planting of cabbages, um, they should be fine. Yeah. You know, a lot of those can, can withstand frost. I have to admit to just popping in kales in mm-hmm. some of my places. And mm-hmm. they look like they're going to make it. They mm-hmm. might get a little stunty for a second, but I'm hoping that things will pull yeah. through. But, so the, but this is also a time to kind of think about, like, turn to look at your garden Yes. And think about yeah. what what are some of the chores, the fall chores, and I feel some like strategizing. yeah. And we've talked about this in the past, and I let's talk about let's it talk again. about it. Let's, let's get talk into about it. mulch. Well, mulch, <laughs> mulch, but also I, people talk about fall cleanup, and yeah. I almost want to talk about fall not cleanup. Yeah, oh, and maybe there's a term for that. I don't know it yet, but um, I'm definitely strategizing about what to keep up. Mm-hmm. in the garden, what to not take down. Uh, I really enjoy leaving 
some of the artichoke seed heads up. I even mm-hmm. enjoy leaving some of the poppy seed heads up, some of the elephant garlics. And some of those I am harvesting. Some of them I'm drying for wreaths. Some of them I'm just putting into the compost. But I like to think about some of that structure that's also it's going to be beauty to my eye during these frosty mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a great little feeding station for wildlife, Mm -hmm. uh, a great little habitat station for critters and bugs. And I think when you look at some of those plants and, and they're, they're basically dead, like the upper part of it is dead. Like the, the, I mean the, the crown, the root underneath it, if it's a perennial, they're not. Yes. But I think about, um, we have huge catnip plants at the farm and then lots of anise hyssop, the licorice mint. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they're dying back now for sure. But they, but the seed heads are there, and there has been these flocks of birds that have been coming it's through just, and yeah. and nibbling on all of those seeds. And it's funny because like I'll I'll walk out onto the farm in the morning, and this whole flock of birds will fly up out of yep. the anise hyssop like row, and startle me. But just like oh, they've all been hanging out there having a party, and yeah. they do the same thing on the catnip plants. And so I'm looking at those things and thinking I'm just going to leave them. I'm going to leave them until those birds get every last seed. Yeah, and and the nice thing about that is then those plants are reseeding, mm-hmm. and you'll have little volunteers. Absolutely, there's many things in the garden that I call self sowers, mm-hmm. uh, and some of them I don't want, but but many of them I've intentionally put into the gardens, into the perennial gardens, my own home garden and other gardens that I care for. Um, and and these are a source of little seedlings. Mm-hmm. And, and, and these are things that we can go ahead and edit or we can move around in the early spring or even now I am moving around some yeah. of those little baby plants. Mm-hmm. Um, well, fall is a great time to plant some perennials and yes. let them get established over the winter. Yeah, They're not going to do much like top growth, but their roots will be establishing. So next spring, summer, they'll be much further along. Yeah, and some, some of the things that I'm looking at that are a little bit more tender that I like to mound the mulch up or even sometimes use their own leaves or their own clippings to kind of pull around the root crown. Um, artichokes, mm-hmm. uh, the melianthus major, um, what is fuchsias. That? Okay, don't speak Latin to me. Tell me, <laughs> the, tell me what that the, is. <laughs> the melianthus major is a, a it's called a, a honey, honey wart or, um, it's a, it's a sawtooth plant that can okay. gain a very large size. I used to have one at the Fort George Garden in the small garden, but due to uh, an incredible amount of growth, had to had to move it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these tender perennials. Okay. Things that... So just protecting the crown. Pr- protecting the crown. Um, sometimes I do this with gunneras, too. Take some mm. of those larger leaves and kind of just bring the mulch up. I'm not completely covering the crown, but I'm giving them a little mulch, a little bit heavier sort mulch of, layer around the Like plant. around the root zone. Exactly. So there's the crown like where the plant's coming out of the ground, but if you think maybe like a foot or two there out from go. that, yeah. that's where their roots yeah. are living, and or so even, mulching that. Or even kind of... D- Pulling it up like a little blanket real close. Like a little know? collar. Like a little collar. There, okay. that's a perfect term. Like okay. a little collar. Like a little mulch collar. Okay. And so, sometimes we can, things that might not make it through our harder freezes or might have a harder time recovering in the spring, that's a nice way to give them a little bed for the winter. Mm-hmm. 
And, and and speaking of you know things that we're looking at, I love the term "dying well" in the gardens with the perennials, <laughs> because there are some things like those artichoke seed heads. Oh, they're so beautiful. Oh, and and they are this little built-in, pre-packaged food thing for mm-hmm. the birds. You know, we yeah. all we all get into this idea of oh, I've got to put out you know food for the birds and. Leaving some of these seed heads up is like prepackaged food for the birds. Absolutely, and I think thinking too about um, plants, and especially if you've if you've been able to incorporate some native plants into your garden, there's mm-hmm. some beautiful natives that are almost at their best. And when I think about snowberry, yes, which is such a gorgeous, and I don't know the Latin name for that, but it's like these little white berries yes. all over it, and it's just this is when it really shines. Or the red twig dogwood, red twig dogwood putting their so berries gorgeous. out right now, oh, just beautiful. I love that. Uh, yeah. Or the um, evergreen huckleberries. It's yeah. so interesting going from garden to garden, and some of them are just wiped out already. The yeah. birds have just gone after them. Mm-hmm. In other areas, they still have some berries holding on, yeah. but that's one of the the later coming on berries. Yeah. Berry that comes on later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, too, from what I understand, another another when you think about plant structure and, and what's going on in your garden, even thinking about lawns and grasses mm-hmm. and, and leaves falling on the ground. I think in more recent years, there's been a lot of research um, like advising people to not clean that up because that's to, habitat it, for insects, exactly. for really essential insects. And to, and to mimic what nature does where um, the, the deciduous trees are, are shedding their leaves now. They might be holding on to some of that nitrogen in the leaves, but as soon as it warms up, that's going to become food for the trees, mm-hmm. for the soil. Um, in some areas, our, our lawns, we don't want those covered with leaves. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, strategizing in a way where you can actually just rake the leaves into the beds. Mm-hmm. Use that as your mulch. Sometimes I even bring in leaves from other areas, like good leaves, like high grade. Okay, what are okay? So what are good leaves oh, and what are not good leaves? Maple leaves. Maple leaves are mm-hmm. good ones. Yeah. Um, walnut. You know, don't do walnut. Don't do walnut. Um, laurels not so great. Yeah. Uh, roadie leaves. Leave those under the roadies. You yeah. Know, think things that are a little bit. Um, take a longer time to break down Mm -hmm. but those maple leaves just a beautiful thing to go ahead and work into your bread um you want to get in there and again clear out the crowns of your perennials don't have them coming right up against things so that they're going to smother them Mm -hmm. collar i like this the mulch collar thinking about mulch collars around the the perennials but leaving some of that mulch underneath the trees that are dropping those leaves yeah i mean it it's funny how it's taken such a long time, I feel like, for that to really click. I mean, in my, in my head, because when I was growing up being trained as a gardener, it, it was very much like this fall cleanup, and you yeah. clean everything you out. all the weeds. And then you bring in mulch. Yeah. And then <laughs> thinking, now I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's just that silly. You know, and if you do want um, that fresh look of mulch in the fall, or you're, you're really wanting, I, I mean, I am a big mulch proponent of all kinds. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you do use like a hemlock, like a composted hemlock bark or something like that, um, or or a heavier grade compost that maybe is a little bit woodier Mm -hmm. and you're bringing those sorts of things in in the fall or the spring, 
um, you can mulch right over those leaf mulches. Or I often take down the ornamental grasses. I, I usually wait till spring to take those down. But but some in some areas where they've flopped, mm-hmm. and you're going to do some grooming, and you're going to take off part of that grass. And why throw that away? Yes, maybe compost pile, but is there an area at the back of your border where... Um, you just lay that down. You can just lay that down or use a chop and drop technique where you're kind of chopping it up a little bit and laying that down. And then you can mulch right over that with your hemlock bark. Yeah. It adds another little layer. And that's great. It's just you're basically adding compost. You're it's breaking just adding down. organic material. And I, mm-hmm. I think... There has been this new wave where we have this understanding, where we're starting to develop an understanding that, yeah, why rake everything up, take everything away, and then bring in fertilizers? You know, some of that organic material can feed the soil in the same way, having that breakdown, having Mm -hmm. that symbiotic relationship with the critters that are underneath the soil, developing microbes. Well, and I I was reading... Last year, I think about you know, things like ground nesting bees, yes, and how they need some of yeah. that. Those they need areas. those undisturbed areas. Yeah, they need that litter. They, they do, and so like when we do that cleanup, what we're doing is basically destroying their winter habitat yeah. Yeah. and their ability to find places to overwinter. There are safely. so many messages in here, metaphorically, about how we need to be so perfect and clean everything up and everything yeah. has to be like this and spick and span tidy. But honestly, working with nature mm-hmm. sometimes can it can really bring about um, great results and save us some time and energy. Absolutely. And then that's another thing, too. People can become overwhelmed by their gardens and feel like it's so much work. It's so exhausting. It's too much time. Way easier to just like pull everything out and you know put in a bunch of gravel. <laughs> but if cover cloth, <laughs> well, but, and I and I think about this too. It's like so often we're doing this, like it's this weird kind of like tidy control because we're trying to like show off to our neighbors or like have people think a certain thing about us. Like, oh, look at that tidy garden; it's so beautiful. And you know, and there can be a satisfying aspect of that to ourselves. You know, it's nice to see your garden looking lovely. I love it when all of our farm beds are mulched and the paths are clean and it's weeded. That usually only happens in one area at a time. And, like, if you turn around and look in the other direction, it's like, whoa, hey, what happened over there? But, you know, there is a satisfying aspect to it. But I think also for me now looking at some of these plants that I, you know, five or six years ago would have gone in and cut them all down. Like cut down all my anise hyssop, cut down all my catnip, yeah, yeah. and maybe mulched it, maybe not. But realizing if I'm leaving that up, I'm leaving structure in the garden, I'm leaving habitat, and I'm leaving food. Yes. And yeah. I, I think when and we, it's also I'm saving myself, you know, a couple of hours of of like whacking and cutting. And I, I think sometimes, and we've talked about this in the mm-hmm. past on shows where we're really focusing on pollinators and um and wildlife mm-hmm. and I guess maybe that's every single show if yeah. I think well, about but it, it. It comes into but, everything. But when you start thinking from that mindset, um, boy, plants look different. Dandelions look different. That looks like bee food, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, those tap roots are bringing up minerals from the from deep down in the soil and bringing them up to the surface. And exactly. there's there's beauty in all of that. And so, yeah. so weeds that are still seeding, you know, if it's something that you are really trying not to proliferate, take yeah. them down. Go ahead. Take them down. 
um, discard them, compost them. Got some thistles I, I know, deal with. <laughs> I know. But if you have uh, weeds, and I was just looking at this in some areas yesterday in a garden that I was working in, if you have weeds that are not going to seed, they are probably not going to get to go to seed at this point with the weather that we're having. If you don't have another plan, leave them. Leave them for this portion of the year. That's like your cover crop. Yeah. In areas. You're keeping your soil covered. Exactly. In areas where you have bare ground, thinking about it might not be too late to get some cover crops going. Mm-mm. It isn't too late. No. Uh, well, I mean, this weather I notwithstanding. Know, I know. It's hard. But to... I, I mean, I will confess and raise my hand to have sown cover crop like at the end of October, mm-hmm. early November. And, I've done And had same. it go through the winter with like maybe a couple of inches, yep. which is not. But still something but to it's hold. something that's holding the soil in place. Yeah. And, and so cover crop serves a couple of purposes. But a big one out here because of our heavy rainfall is that it holds the soil in place. It, it prevents soil erosion and soil compaction. Just having that organic matter, something growing in the soil, yeah. really makes a difference. And then in the spring, you cut it down, you you dig it in, yeah. you let it break down, and it adds organic matter to your soil. You're growing your own compost. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I even strategize in areas where I'm starting new plantings. Mm-hmm. I'll actually just hand pull. But maybe I've used a nitrogen fixer like... Um, um, red clover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll hand pull areas, pop my plants in, and go ahead and leave some of that to to bloom. Just as mulch, yeah. or to let it bloom. Red clover is so it's gorgeous. And you know, initially clover. when I started using that, I just thought, oh, this is a cover crop, and I'll till it in or I'll dig it in. And I even did that for years. Like, oh, I shouldn't let that. And then you let a little bit of it bloom, and you realize, God, this is such a beautiful. It's a beautiful, yeah. Yeah, and such good bee food. Mm -hmm. And some of it will reseed, and you will start to see it in other parts of your garden or your farm or wherever. But I haven't found crimson clover to be invasive by any means. No, no. Easy to pull. It's so beautiful when it does bloom. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I want to plant some this year, this fall, with the intention of letting it bloom pretty because it's just so pretty and and really the time when you're supposed to cut it down and dig it in is like right as it's starting to bloom yeah and you can cut some of it down and dig Mm -hmm. some of it in even if you just leave a little patch of it Mm -hmm. off in the distance somewhere what about bulbs Teresa? oh yeah it's time to plant bulbs we can still plant bulbs we can absolutely still we can still place a bulb order and then plant them well, that's good because I haven't ordered to plug my bulbs yet. <laughs> some some yes. of the bulbs might be out at the bulb company, but this is a great mm-hmm. time for bulb plantings. Narcissus, kind of, yeah. tulips, um, all Crocus, kinds of yep. uh, really. I think you can buy a lot of bare root peonies this time of year. Yep, yep. There's a lot of things. Thinking ahead, what do you want to have blooming where? Um, You'll see bulbs starting to show up in garden centers. Um, you can order them online. There's lots of different places and we ways. We can still plant garlic. I know mm-hmm. I'm harvesting a lot of elephant garlic right now and moving some of that around. Mm-hmm. I use that as an ornamental a lot mixed Such in pretty. with the ornamental grasses. When that blooms. And asters. And, yeah. uh, and I'm just looking at those seed pods in certain specific areas right now going, oh, yeah. That mm-hmm. looks great. Yeah, we haven't planted high. our garlic on the farm yet, but I, but soon in the next yeah. couple of weeks it'll get planted. And yeah. so yeah, absolutely, plant garlic. Think ahead. That's such a great crop um, out here. It seems to do really well. It's yeah. just doing well for us. Yeah. And um, 
yeah, there's a lot of things to do this time of year that you're you're doing these things and you're you're setting yourself up for a good spring or a good summer. It seems weird to think so far ahead, but I think in gardens you do. It, it does pay off, you know, and this mm-hmm. is a great time to be dividing perennials, mm-hmm. moving perennials around. I call it the the great plant shuffle time. <laughs> And it, well, it, it's true, and it, and this is also a great time. And I feel like it's it's good to remind yourself of this every time this year. If there's an area in your garden that maybe is lawn that you'd like to have be a bed mm-hmm. next year, you maybe you want to plant this out, um, or maybe you've got an area that's like so infested with weeds and you just really like you're you're despairing of it. This is a really good time to do like a, a, a serious mulch. Maybe cover that whole area with a bunch of cardboard, Mm -hmm. go down to a bike shop or an appliance shop, get a refrigerator box or two, cover that area, cover it with a bunch of mulch. It could be bark mulch. It could be a whole bunch of leaves. It could could be be compost. It could be straw with leaves. And, you know, you could layer that up in Mm -hmm. as many ways as you want. And just let it sit. Let it sit until April. Yep. And then start pulling it apart, and you're going to be way ahead of yourself. Maybe put down a little bit of lime, yeah, before you cover it yeah, up, that's just to kind of get a step ahead. Like style, yep, thank you. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning. After all these years, I'm learning these things. So it's like it's just a great way to kind of get ahead, get ahead. Maybe it's you know not going to look like much over the winter, but you know our gardens aren't going to look like much over the winter anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, but in the spring, you're going to be so far ahead. Yeah. So it's it's a good time just to still get out there. It's going to be a little bit wet. Um, who knows what this winter is going to be like? I yeah. hear I'm hearing a lot of different reports. What are I've you heard hearing? oh it's, well I've heard I've heard completely no opposite predictions. Like, what I are you hearing? I've heard well I've heard it's going to be really warm and wet until December, and then I've heard it's going to be colder than usual and wet and you know whatever. It's like okay, it's going to be something. We're going to have some weather this winter. It's, there's going to be some cold times. There's going to be some wet times. We might get that magical week in October that's warm and sunny. Maybe this year we won't. Maybe it'll come in November. Who yeah. knows? But things will happen. Weather will happen. Plants will die back. And that's my weather report. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure nature will do its thing, as it always does, and we'll just respond and yeah, and respond as best we and can. Don't, and don't be afraid to get creative. Don't be afraid to... Go ahead and look at, like you're saying, some mm-hmm. of those areas and, and let the let the yeah. sparks fly and think yeah. about what it might be next year and move perennials yeah. around and plant mm-hmm. some bulbs. And and invest in good rain gear. Yeah, and invest in good rain gear. And it's so funny. You, I was just thinking, and sharpen your tools. Yep, clean and sharpen your tools. Clean and sharpen your tools. And not just thinking about for next season, but we're doing a lot of work right now. And our bodies and our wrists are precious. Yep. It's a great time to sharpen your shears, sharpen your secateurs, sharpen your shovels as you're digging. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking I'm, at you and I'm going, oh, yeah. This is got to do I'm that. just I telling know. myself this do right now. Do as I say, I actually... not as I do. <laughs> but do it. Seriously, do it. I know. Let's do it. Well, we will. I know. It's... It's good. I'm actually looking forward to getting outside today. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful. It's, it looks like it's going to be a beautiful, crispy day. and clear and cold and a beautiful fall day. Lots to get done and um, just dig in and start yeah, doing it. Yeah, and take the time to look at those spider webs and yeah, have a cup of tea and yeah. we're big proponents of warm beverages. Yeah. <laughs> In the garden whilst working and mulching. I know. Well, I hope that wherever fall finds you in your garden, it's it's good and inspiring and 
Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, oh, Jess. Thank this was great. I always learn so much from talking with you. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me about good things. And thank you, Dylan, for being such a great engineer. Thanks to everyone for listening. And I guess we'll see you next time. <laughs>